It's Friday. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday. It's the end of another good week and uh, an end of a good week in the Word. Thank you guys for what we've shared this week. I love it. We're in the book of Isaiah going verse by verse, and today we're in Isaiah chapter 10. Uh, thanks for being with me. I love you guys. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church, and we call this Tim with Tim. Each day, Monday through Friday, we take about 10 minutes and we uh, take a bite out of God's Word together, and it's always good uh, and it's always worthy, and I thank you so much for your faithfulness to study with me. Isaiah chapter 10, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's get right after it. Um, as, as I said yesterday, I know yesterday was a long time ago, yesterday as I said, that first part of chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, actually probably belongs with the oracles that we were finding in chapter 9. Remember, it's a section, four or five verses that we'll end with. Even then, his anger is not satisfied, his hand is outstretched yet, or his, his fist is still poised to strike. Uh, these first four verses in chapter 10 follow that pattern, and that's why I say they belong with what comes before. Um, just to call your attention to it, I, I know that people don't like you know, preachers to talk politics, and, and I'm really the preacher who avoids that uh, with very careful intentionality. Um, but sometimes the word of God is political because remember politics is just about our life together. I mean, that's what it is. We, we have to live together in communities, in cities, in states, in nations, and, and that requires rules and governance and, and honestly politics. It's just our life together. And God has very strong, um, uh, expectations for how we will live together and how we'll treat one another and especially how government will work. And I'm just calling your attention to that. I, I'm just saying that we like to draw a line between church and state, but but honestly, it's it's life. And God is the Lord over all of our life, not not just our church life. You know, it's, it's our politics too. And I just call your attention to the political nature of all of this, but especially, you know, these first four verses in chapter 10. What sorrow, you know, woe to those who are unjust judges, unjust justices. You know, it's the idea here, the people who are supposed to guarantee that everybody gets treated, you know, without discrimination and, and with the same fairness. But when those who expect to, to bring justice don't bring justice, then understand this makes God furious. God uh, loves good government, God appoints good government, but God is furious when government uh, works to the disadvantage of the poor and needy. I mean, this is the clear message of Scripture, the clear message of Isaiah. God is angry at the politicians, angry at the politics, but, but primarily, if you notice, because it doesn't work for those who need the help. It doesn't work for the poor and the needy. They deprive the poor of justice. This is God's word, you all. So whether you're Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. This is God's word. And when we read God's word, we're not a partisan anymore. You know, I mean, if, if you're a believer, then your first allegiance is to the Lord, and we're going to follow his word. And clearly, God is furious when people are mistreated, uh, and especially when that mistreatment is a part of state policy, you know, the way things work. But notice how it ends. Even then, you know, even after, you know, he, he punishes the wicked, even then the Lord's anger will still not be satisfied. His fist is poised to strike. Uh, that's the end of those oracles there. And I just, uh, I probably spent too much time on that already. Let's, let's jump on what follows there in verses five uh, and, and forward from there. Uh, notice how 
Uh, Assyria is a tool in God's hand, and, and that's the point there. What, what sorrow awaits Assyria? Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, I use it as a club. So God is using Assyria, and Assyria is a wicked nation, a wicked king. Uh, they, they ain't nothing good about them, you know, but God is using them to accomplish his purposes. How does that work? You know, I mean, verse seven goes as far to say the king of Assyria, he sure doesn't plan on being a tool in God's hand. He doesn't understand that he is my tool, the Lord says. His mind doesn't even work that way, you know. He wouldn't want to be a tool in God's hand if, if, if you told him he could be a tool in God's hand. But understand, that's what he is because God's plans are, are higher uh, they can't be overruled, you know, and, and so God is always working. He causes nations to rise and fall, and we don't always think of that being God's purpose, God's will, God's work, you know, unfolding in our politics, in our in our national, you know, histories. Uh, but but this is exactly what's happening. Uh, how does that work? Well, they're wicked. But understand, uh, Judah, God's people, they chose the wickedness. They, already, they, they are the ones that got in a boat with the Assyrians. And the whole time, God's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. This threat that you're afraid of, it ain't even going to happen. Stop worrying about it. Trust me. Don't, don't put your trust in Assyria. But they already decided to hitch their wagon to Assyria. You know? So uh, you know, don't be surprised. You know, when, when you bring a wildcat home as a pet, don't be surprised when it mauls you to death. And, and this is what God is saying. Now, for a while, Assyria is going to do God's work. And, and, and that work is going to be to bring the punishment upon God's people for turning away from them. Now, God's not making the king of Assyria do anything he don't want to do, you know. Uh, but understand how free will works. They chose evil. They've all chosen evil. And evil brings its own consequences. The wages of sin is death. It's just a, a, a spiritual law. You know, that, that's what happens. And so the, the way this unfolds is that God just simply lets them have the consequences of their choices. He doesn't have to, you know, pull any strings and make something that wasn't going to happen happen here. You know, they chose evil. God gives them evil. So at first, Assyria is just that tool that is bringing the punishment upon the nations and especially upon the, 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 the land of, of Judah. They don't know they're doing it. They wouldn't even want to do it if they knew what they were doing. But God is oh, far and above all the sovereign powers of this world. But that's the funny part. The whole time, king of Assyria is thinking, man, I am hot stuff. You know, By my own powerful arm, I've done this. With my own shrewd wisdom, I planned this. And God's just laughing, you know, just laughing. Man, I've gathered up far. I've gathered up nations like farmers gather the eggs. That's what he says. Isn't that good? Yeah, but look at verse 15, I love it. But can the ax boast greater power than the person who uses it? You know, uh, it's just saying, you know, the king of Assyria, he's just like a tool in God's hand. He's like an ax in God's hand, and the ax doesn't swing itself, you know. Is the saw greater than the person who saws? Again, the saw don't saw by itself, you know. There's a power behind it. Can a rod strike unless a hand moves it? Can a wooden cane walk by itself? How I many of y'all got a walker? <laughs> you know, you, you got to use a walker, use a cane. Does that cane go by itself? Does that walker scoot across the floor by itself? No, you know. And, and this is, you know, it's it's just the jokes on the king of Assyria who thinks, man, I am powerful. 
yeah, yeah, you're like the saw that goes, man, I am really sharp. You know, no, no, no. There's a hand, an unseen hand that is behind everything that is happening here. And again, uh, the foolishness of people we never seem to know. Verses 20 to 23, uh, call your attention there. Uh, once more, I call, I want you to understand the importance of this remnant theology, this theme of the remnant in the book of Isaiah. And this is full in these verses, 20, 21, 22, 23. I've circled every time the word remnant is used and understand in that day, the remnant left in Israel. In other words, man, a whole lot of a whole lot of God's people have turned away from God and they're going to perish. They're going to be destroyed, but there will be those who are left and that's the remnant. And God always moves forward with the remnant. That's important. Notice they no longer depend upon allies. They're going to depend upon the Lord instead. What that says is, uh, the Hebrew says, they no longer lean upon the smiter. You know, they don't lean upon the smiter. Uh, and, and the irony there, the, the smiter, the one who smites them. Like, how stupid is it to depend upon the very thing that destroys you? You know, you ever been an addict? You ever been addicted to the very thing that's ruining your life? I mean, sin at its heart is always this. Are choosing to lean upon the very thing that'll destroy your life. The wages of sin is death, right? They no longer lean upon the smiter, but instead they faithfully trust the Lord. It's a hard-learned lesson by those who are left by the remnant. Uh, it, it's a beautiful picture here. In that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people, verse 27. He'll break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. All that sounds good, but then, man, uh, what, uh, I mean, it turns quickly in verse 28. We are back to... Uh, the suffering of God's people. Uh, it's that, that to tell you find in verse 25, it's like in a little while, like it's bad now. It's going to be bad for a while, but, but, but change is coming and it is, and everything's going to change, but not yet. You know, there's this assurance given without a timeline. It's coming, change is coming, but not yet. And in the meantime, verse 28, man, uh, if you notice verse 28, 29, if you, if you look at a map, Literally, what Isaiah is describing here is the, the exact march and the, the places on the map where, where the enemy will bivouac. I mean, you know, it, it, this is an enemy attack, and, and it's described in dramatic and, and utter detail of people running for their lives, screaming in terror. I mean, we're talking about the people of God. We're talking about their suffering. We're talking about what's happening for now, you know. Assyria is being able to do these things for now because of the punishment that the people have chosen for themselves. It's not going to last forever. And what's more, the end of the chapter is, look, the Lord of heaven's armies, he will chop down the tree of Assyria. I mean, this enemy with his boot on your neck right now, he won't have this power forever. God is still in control. I love that. Chapter 11 is awesome. And we're going to pick up right here. But we're going to have to take a break, all right? I am actually pastor at Camp Crossings, Jonathan Creek. If any of your kids are going to be there, I will be there. Uh, I'm there for two sessions of camp, so pray for me. But the, the internet there is, can I just say unreliable? Can I say non-existent? I don't know what kind of internet I'll have from day to day. So I'm not going to try to do 10 with 10. I'm on location from the middle of nowhere at Jonathan Creek Camp Crossing. So I'm going to take a break. I will come back and pick up right here on Monday, June 26th. All right? So you're going to have to hang Hang loose for a while, all right? Monday, June 26th, we will pick up in chapter 11, and we're going to read all the way through chapter 12. Chapter 12 only has like six verses. So on Monday, June 26th, we'll do chapter 11 and chapter 12 of Isaiah. Can you do that? Uh, I promise I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss this. I, I really love this time together, but 
Uh, this makes more sense than me trying to do it uh, on the road, all right? So I'm just going to take, uh, take, take some days off. I'll see you on Monday, June 26, 10 o'clock, chapters 11 and 12. I'll see you then at 10 o'clock, Lord willing, for Tim with Tim. I love you guys. Listen, have a good next week. Pray for me. Uh, pray that I'll be a good pastor for these kids, that they'll have open hearts to hear the gospel, and that they'll, uh, they'll trust the Lord. Will you pray that? And I will see you, uh, see you soon. I love you guys. Have a great day.